the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Morning, everybody. And, of course, that voice we use is Ric Flair, who plays out in this film entitled The Iron Claw. Good morning. It's Saturday, December the 30th, 2023. I'm Peter Boyle, 710 KNUS. 53 will be the high today, 43 tomorrow, and 48 on Monday. This is what we're going to talk about that's getting all the attention. The Challengers from Denton, Texas, weighing in at a combined weight of 690 pounds, Kevin, Kerry, and David Von Erich. Look at my beautiful brothers. The Von Erich are the greatest family in the history of wrestling. The Iron Curl in theaters now. Wow. The film is the Von Erichs, and this is a dear friend, kind enough to be with us, and he, as a young guy, worked for, as they called him, Jack, or Fritz Von Erich. Please say good morning. Welcome back to Denver, Colorado, the legend, Steve Harms. Man, thanks for coming on the show, Stevie. Happy New Year, and good morning. Oh, same to you, Pete. It's great to be here. And uh, The subject matter is something that uh, is near and dear to my heart, because I spent so much time with with that family, the Bonary Atkinson, their last name. Uh, I spent so much time with them, and um, it was just tragic. The things that happened, you couldn't believe it. I haven't seen the film. I promised my son would go and see it. Have you had an opportunity to see the film? No, I haven't. Uh, I've, I feel as though I almost have, just because yeah, I've sure. talked to so many people. Down, still uh, down there in the Dallas area, and I feel like I've I've spoken about the, about the film, and I know some of the guys that were involved, and uh, one of the people who had a pretty big role uh, in it was a, a referee who was down there just after I was there, and uh, he uh, he he was very influential in helping them, helping the actors capture the, the, uh, uh, the, the, you know, just the way the boys all worked and the way, and, uh, you know, so it, it's, um, it's something that I think about all the time, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, I don't think about it with great sadness anymore. You accept, you accept the tragedy and, uh, you know, they're all gone. The weirdness, Steve Harms, Peter Boyle's the the film, The Iron Claw, and um, I only met Carrie, and he, he actually walked out of a match here in town and was on, he kind of was on his own. But when, where did you meet? I should have begun there with with apologies. Where did you meet Fritz, or they say, or named Jack? Where did you meet Fritz von Erich? Well, I was in uh, I had just recently got a job in the uh, NBC affiliate in the sports department doing that thing. And 
I have previously, I don't, I, I don't do, make this a biography, but they're an autobiography. But when I had my first TV job was Colorado Springs. Colorado Springs was part of the Amarillo territory owned by the by, uh, the Funks, and I started refereeing for the Funks. Actually, whenever they would come up to Colorado Springs or Pueblo, and they would bring me in to referee, and that's kind of where I learned. Uh, probably Terry Funk is the one who brought me in. And anyway, I was there for a couple of years and got to know everybody, and then I went to Dallas. And one somebody from the Amarillo office called Dallas and said, hey, there's a guy who's friendly to the business. He'll point to work at a TV station, yada, yada. So um, I got a call from David Manning, who was their lead referee. and But he also worked in the office, and he called me and said, Fritz would like to meet you. This is all because I'm friendly to the business. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to expose anything. Because in those days, Fabe was still That's right. ruling. That's right. And you, you did not get to look under the curtain. And so I, I drove, I, I drove out to the sportatorium, <laughs> which was a rat-infested. Oh, well, I mean building with plumbing hardly worked and but there was one luxurious area and that was Fritz's office. So I knock I literally knock on the door uh and Bronco Lubich, who was a <laughs> longtime uh wrestler and then referee, and he worked in the office there. And he came and you know he just Cracked the door open, you know. I mean, it was just that, and it protected everything so much. And I said, "Hi, I'm Steve Harms, and I'm here to see Fritz." And he might—I mean, they had a heads up, so he brought me in. And the first person I met was Gary Hart. Wow! Wow! Gary didn't like me because like all TV or radio people, any the media obviously was there to expose the business. And so, I mean, he was very kind of short with me. He's like, hey, nice to see you. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. And he took me up to uh, these rickety stairs to Fritz's office. And it was just huge. It looked like it was brand new. I mean, it was this big. It looked like the desk in the White House. <laughs> a big chair, and uh, there he was. There was the, the king sitting there. And he had uh, David on Eric in the office with him. And so we just started talking, and he asked me what I'd done, and I said I worked for the for the Funks and did some refereeing for a couple of years. And you could see the, the light go off and come on in his head. 
And he said, well, could you do some things for us? And I said, as long as they're not televised, I think I could. Yeah. And because I, you know, I, I had a presence on the NBC station. And so that's, that's how it started. And I was there for two years, and somewhere after about a year, I was I started to be invited to what they call the booking meetings. Mm-hmm. And the booking meetings are where the the brass sit around and lay out the program. You Most know who's going to do tell, what? Tell the story. Yeah. Yeah, and and. I was amazed that he invited me because you couldn't get any more inside than that. No. And I didn't ever try to contribute unless he asked me something. But it was always Fritz, Gary Hart, Bronco Lubitsch, mm-hmm. an old, long-time wrestler named Danny Pletchis. Mm. And Danny Pletchis had had... Uh, some serious health benefits, or not benefits, health issues, and uh, Fritz took care of him. And Danny used to go on Monday nights to Fort Worth, and he would referee the first match, whatever it was, and then he would go home. And but but his insights when he would talk about the angles that he were laying out <laughs> were just amazing. You know, I mean, they were they were amazing. And in those days, the you know wrestling was still about oh, the good guy, so the that's bad important. guy. And, yeah. And, you know, they they never deviated. I there were times where where a good guy might turn heel, do the heel, for an angle. But yeah, yeah. I usually meant he was leaving town. And <laughs> that's, it. I mean, that's true. That's true. He'd given his notice, and they, huh? you know. They would work something out, so yeah. the guy goes out with some meaning to the yeah. thing. But, but just I, I need for it. Let's go forward. Maybe uh, I was going to say here. Let me do this. Uh, Steve Harms and Peter Boyle, seven ten KNUS. In this time period, at Steve's time, and I'd come into the radio business, and like Steve, I, I'm mean, I was, my grandma was a Mark, you know, and and. Um, I got to do this one hour, and I invited the promoter on because I love pro wrestling. And I said, can I, you know, you ask those questions. And they finally, because it was Vern, it was Vern Gagne, who you knew as well. And yeah. uh, Vern was the first guy to come in and do the radio show. And if Vern, if you, you know, if you laid down, um, and you you used that term kayfabe, and, and we never broke kayfabe, I laid down for Vern. And that was the green light. And they'd send another guy and another guy. And then they'd come and say, would you like to do the ring? I mean, they, the way you describe it, Stevie, is exactly my experience. Only I didn't, I didn't do the ref part of it. I did the ring and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. they had to trust you first, did they not? Oh, gosh, yes. And it, it wasn't easy. I mean, no. they, in those days... I mean, today it's totally different. Sure. Once the internet came, everything got exposed. But, but in those days, I mean, you absolutely, the first thing you were always aware of when you went to an arena or whatever mm-hmm. was to make sure you didn't 
let anybody see you talking in a friendly way. No, no, to, no, no. To, to a wrestler or... And it was funny because a lot of times you had to dress in either the good guy or yep. the bad guy rooms. Yeah. And, and when somebody... It was always funny how... I remember specifically one night in... In Will Rogers Coliseum in Fort Worth. <laughs> and I'm in there, and they only have one dressing room for everybody. Yeah. Now, the heels sort of took over one corner, and the baby faces, the good guys, the other corner. And I remember one day, some a worker, somebody who worked in the arena, just came walking in. Oh. And... Immediately, I had to think of who it was. It doesn't matter. But one started start hitting each other. <laughs> well, they, they they started screaming at each oh, other. Oh yeah. But and and screaming at this guy to get out. Get out. Yeah. And that was I mean, the guy wasn't in there for thirty seconds, but their reaction was oh, so yeah. in inbred, so to speak. Oh yeah, no, they. I mean, they kept that. That line and my experiences were similar to yours, but not the intensity. But, and that's the part that that I always love when they start. They they talk to each other. That was like they talk. Is it fair to say they talk carny to one another? Well, in those days, I learned carny actually from the fucks. But carny was not like you and me sitting down and speaking carny to each yeah. other. Carney was a way to say something in the ring very yes. quickly. Yes. Without it being, you know, somebody might hear the, the worker yeah. saying something, but they didn't have any idea what he was saying. Yeah, exactly. Was, yeah. And Carney, and he was usually calling a spot mm-hmm. uh, because in those, in those days, the only thing to be planned was to finish and, yeah. and the time. You know, and, you're going to go. Yep. Twelve, fifteen minutes, and uh, oh. that was one of my jobs was to call time. Now the ref is talking to them, but I would. They told me like for you know they there are ten. I'd say on the on the internet, on the internet. I'd say on the microphone there are ten ten minutes left in the match. They they're 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 watching it, and um, they needed to. We needed to be out of arenas by a certain time, or they had to pay more money. Right, <laughs> planned a time, and that's when they really trust you. Well, and you and you're doing the time when I when I refereed, I never had a ring announcer <laughs> all the time. We just from working, say with Terry and and some Gabonians, you know. In a squash match, which is, which is <laughs> terms for Terry is going to beat the shit. Oops, That's all right. Too, too late now. Go ahead. Yeah. Terry going to beat the crap out of yeah. you and then win. He's going to win with the Texas tornado yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we just knew that there was supposed to go maybe 10 minutes at the most. And where we would get that cue was from the timekeeper. Mm-hmm. He would take a pencil and put it up to his forehead. You know, oh, wow. 
and that meant two minutes to get out. <laughs> and, and usually the boys would see it, but I'd always tell them two minutes. Yeah. That's, and then they would, they would work it out. Darn if they weren't out of there in a minute and 50 seconds. No, it's, it, it, it was so amazing, and because I grew up thinking it was real, <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. uh, I did, and um, mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and my grandma was a mark. She marked for Bruno, but the, <laughs> the, the the first night, that I'm sitting ringside and I see the ref slip the blade. <laughs> I went the refs in on it. I was like, and that was before I was like smartened up, but. Yeah, it was like I saw the. Did you ever slip the blade? Did you ever hold the blade and slip it to? I took it. I never took it to the ring. Okay. After the guy would use it, they usually we'd, we'd be down in a position where our yeah. hands, oh yeah, close together, and he just lay it down, and I pick it up, <laughs> and you know, stick it in my pocket, yeah. and but but that I knew was happening, and. So, because I had to be in the right position for him to hand it yeah, off to me. Wow. And I, well, I can't tell you how many times. <laughs> I mean, there was a period of time where blood was used, I thought, too much. Because the thing about a guy gaffing himself. Yeah, they're juicing. Yeah. <laughs> that was a major, major thing. It's not a major thing when you're doing it twice so a say, night. <laughs> you know, not the same guy. I mean, I, just, I got to sell something, and, but when yeah, go ahead. And well, this is gonna do it. But when uh, when we were Dusty Rhodes was in the territory with with Vince and excuse me with uh, uh, with Vern, and said, what time is it, baby? <laughs> he told him, yeah. and he said, "Okay, we're going to bleed and go home." <laughs> Oh, like, well, you, you you saw his head, oh, his forehead, oh, and his shoulder. He would work under a mask sometimes, <laughs> yes, the, yes. but you wouldn't know who it, it was. It wasn't him. <laughs> but but he would bleed yeah. a gap in his shoulder, yeah. and his shoulder was as scarred up oh. as his forehead. He was like, how much time we got, baby? And I was keeping the clock. He said, we're going to. We're going to bleed and go home. <laughs> yeah. words, like we're going to get out of this arena. Oh, God, let me let me put you on hold and come back and tell the story of the Von Erichs because th- this is so important and the film's getting attention. Steve Harms is our guest, and we talked to Doctor McWhorter this morning with my daughter on the air, and they have that CNR, the chiropr- chiropractic neurological rehabilitation. And I got to tell you what. The man's been spot on. If you're struggling to recover from a concussion, those TBI injuries, you're not seeing results from traditional Western medical approaches. If that's you, I recommend you try this. McWhorter's been on the money, man. And CNR with about a 90% success rate for the past couple of years. And the doc's there, Dr. Jeff, and he has a team and an outstanding approach to helping patients restore their brains and ability to function and and regain their quality of life. For chiropractic, neuropathic, and mental health therapies, Dr. McWhorter. One-stop shop for spinal and brain injury patients. First treatment discounts are 20 to 30% off. The package deals right now. Neurofeedback is a treatment. Their brain maps are 50% off as well. I recommend McWhorter CNR. 
They they will they with my daughter and I with hyperbaric chambers. Call today. Schedule your appointment. Start the journey of restoring your brain and your body's performance. Open in Centennial. Different phones. Seven and again seven two zero seven one seven forty seven forty eight. One more time. Seven two zero seven one seven forty seven forty eight online McWhorter M C W H O R T E R C N R dot com. Learn more and tell them Peter Boyle sent you. Good morning, everybody. It's Saturday morning, December thirtieth. Peter Boyle, seven ten K and US fifty three will be the high today. Kind enough to be with us in Salt Lake. Steve Harms, he was sportscaster in Denver, but worked with Yvonne Eriks, and now all the film is out there getting a tremendous amount of attention. Um what was the, I mean, why did all of these kids take their own lives? It's this, the theme of the, of the film, actually. What, what, what did you conclude? Well, I, I, I thought they were, well, I mean, who knows? I, I can't say why they did it. Um, but the only one who I don't think was intentional was David. He died of some kind of bad reaction to Placidil drug in in Japan. Right. And the autopsy claimed it was uh, was some sort of intestinal thing that it killed him. And uh, it was... David was the one being groomed for the world championship, and he was also the probably the best worker. He was mm-hmm. the technical in ring guy, and he was also just such a sweetheart. And they were, I think, when that happened to him. And, you know, then, then Carrie, I don't have any idea about Carrie other than heavy drug use. And all the boys were into, in those days, um, oh, shit, what's the, Quaaludes were legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the ring doctor who worked you know, did the little mini physicals before the matches to blood pressures and all that. He would, he would fill prescriptions, not fill, but he would get prescriptions for these guys. Sure. And they'd get them filled. I remember one day I was sitting in Gary Hart's office, just the yes and the no, and Gino Hernandez mm-hmm. came in. And Gino was a big part of the office at that time, or at least the crew. And he came in, and I heard him on the phone ordering 400 points. And I'm thinking, who, it, it, who would fill that? You know? <laughs> and he got him, and uh, he'd go into that ring doctor's office and get a like a mole removed or something. Oh, yeah. That was the doctor's presence and appointment. And the doctor would give him a prescription. Yeah. 
Hogan got some of his help here in town in Denver, and I think you know that story. Yeah, yeah. and I know who. Yeah, I know who. We both do. Yeah, who the doctor was, and yeah, exactly. Mom, um, you know, Steve Harms, Peter Boyle, seven ten K in US. The the Von Erichs. What now? Fritz, what was her name? The his, their mom. What was her name? Doris. Yes, you you knew her pretty well too, did you not? Oh yeah, yeah. Pete, I probably had dinner out at their ranch twenty times. Wow. And when you go, that's where I got to know all the boys. And it was uh, you know Kevin, David, mm-hmm. Harry, and then Mike. Chris, and uh, I'm I'm thinking in terms of how they they left, how they passed away. But Kevin was, and still is, the only surviving Mm -hmm. member of that family. And he just recently moved from Texas, from Hawaii. And uh, and so we text once a month, you know, just how's it going? I knew his kids when they were little boys, and now they're boys. And but I, I had a pretty good first-hand view of their lives, mm-hmm. you know, away from the ring. And Fritz really took me under his wing, and David told me that. I don't even know how it came up. But David said, you know, you remind my dad of our first brother, Jackie, who was the one that was killed accidentally. I watched it. And I would have been the same age at that time. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. That Jackie was. I mean, the one in, Jackie was a little boy when he was, yeah. he was killed. I kind of filled that role of what Jackie would have been. If somebody were to ask you out of the clear blue, what was Fritz like? What what would you tell them? Very complicated. Um, To me, he was like, I mean, I didn't need a father figure. I had a good one, but, Mm -hmm. but that's how he treated me. And... You know, the fact that I, I mentioned earlier, I was invited to their, uh, their book meetings was on the You know, for an outsider to be brought in there. And, and that was all free. I mean, it's not going to happen if Fritz doesn't say it's going to happen. Sure. And the, the stuff that I learned from him about the business... I thought I knew pretty much everything. From not from a resource standpoint, because you got to take those bumps to to learn that. But I I just remember him being so there was so much deference to me. Did you did you did you like him? I did. I I liked him. I. 
I, I, you know, all those guys, Vern, you know, Vern. Oh, yeah. All those guys are manipulators. Oof. You know, they're all, it's all a work. Life is a work. Life's a work. Yeah. And, and it was the same thing with Fritz. And he used to like to meet me for lunch at some truck stop up on the way to, they lived up in Denton, actually Lake Dallas, but they, they lived up there. And sort of split the difference was this truck stop. And we'd go and sit, and it was like we talked for an hour. I talked for five minutes, you know. And, and, and he was so smart. I mean, that's. Oh, had to be. People. And, I was going to say that people, people try to sell those, those guys short, that they were something was. They were stupid or meatheads or something. Smartest guys, some of the no. smartest guys I ever met in my life, I met in pro wrestling. Well, you know, they, and another guy in that, Gary Hart, just brilliant. And he and I made close friends until his death hmm. about five years ago. And yeah. mine was Bobby Heaton. Oh, Bobby Heaton. I only knew him casually. I didn't have any kind of relationship with him. Because he, he wasn't working where I was. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was with Vern. And worked for Vern, he, yeah. When, when he was with Vern, he became, you know, a star up there. <laughs> taught me everything he I know. Taught, taught me everything <laughs> I know about radio. <laughs> I tell yeah. people everything I learned about radio, I learned from him. Well, you you talk again, smart, smart guy. Yeah. And back back to the Von Erichs. Um, yeah, David was just a sweetheart, and he didn't have the body that Kevin and Terry had. I mean, he had body. He was athletic. He was, he was about six five, I think. And in the ring. He worked like a six-footer. He was just terrific at the, at the work inside the ring. And he was being groomed to be the next world, world champion. And I remember sitting in Fritz's office, and he said, come here, I want you to see this tape. And it was a tape from St. Louis, Wrestling at the Chase. The Chase, Chase Hotel. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was a, like the highest rated TV show in St. Louis. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it was, it was live, and he said, watch this. And it was David and Harley Race. Harley Race Ooh. was the champion Ooh. at that time. And he said, watch this. So I'm watching it, and it was you know, typical Texas-style match, mm-hmm. which is really rough and tough. And all of a sudden, Von Erickson used that claw hold as a yep. finisher. Yep. Yep. All of a sudden, they were grappling around, and David put it on race. And they were, and, and you could See, you're thinking, no, this Harley's not going to lose in his no, hometown. He's no, not gonna lose. no. But something's up. And 
all of a sudden, the blood starts to flow from <laughs> Harley's forehead. And they go outside the ring, and they get both counted out. Oh, like, disqualified. Yeah. Yeah. They got counted out. Yeah. The double disqualification. Sure. sure. Race collapsed. And Fritz said, can you imagine a world champion doing that for a kid? Yeah. No, I... And, uh, yes, I mean, I, I mean that, that was... They, they, those guys told stories about Harley Race. I mean, those guys who were legends themselves told stories about Harley Race. Oh, he was tough. Oh, 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 um, I'm, we're going to come up on time here. Let, let's both see the film. Um, my son okay. and I, we, we, we both want then then come back and we'll talk. But I, I'm, I want to see it because I want to see this guy that plays Flair and then there's guys that play the Freebirds. And you and Michael Hayes became good friends, did you not? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We still yeah. Uh, talk once every two or three months. <laughs> The, the fabulous Freebirds. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> and the Sportatorium itself was, if this, if, and I'm sure the stories are true, the Sportatorium on a Friday night where everybody goes to high school football games in Texas, they packed the Sportatorium. Oh, and, and, yeah. They, they, when I was there, they ran the Sportatorium, and I'll get out of this quickly. Okay. Um, they ran the Sportatorium on... Um, Sunday nights. Was it Sunday? Okay. Well, no, they, for Friday. I heard it was Friday. They always said Friday night. They everybody in Texas, yeah. high school well, football. They, I'm just saying they move. They they change things around for TV. So hmm. anyway, Pete, I love you, man. I love you very so much. Uh, Happy New well. Year, and and, and st- I can't tell you what this man means and things we've been through together. But he is a one of a kind and. He, like I said, we, I, I, you were doing Channel Seven Sports, and stuff was wasn't always real smooth, and you were you were always there, and always called, and always made sure that we were all, I was okay, and that meant a lot, it really did. And well, you, you I, I look at you today. You know, I saw you a few months ago in yeah, right at Bucks thing, right, and I looked at you and I thought, God, here's a guy who had help, but he saved his own life. Well, that's kind. And and I truly believe that. And it, it annoys me at times that you did that. Because, <laughs> 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 because you bring up you bring up embarrassing stories. Of embarrassing course. to me. We, you know? <laughs> I, I was said I'm getting so we don't write a book. Douglas MacArthur wrote a book called Reminiscences. The only deal that he made with the publisher is you can't print this till I'm dead. <laughs> and he took the I money in the front. That. Yeah, he took the money in the front. The book is entitled Reminiscences. And his deal with the, whoever the publishing house was, you print after I'm dead. And they did it. They did the deal. If I had that deal, if somebody cared, <laughs> they, the publisher would kill me. Both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Both of us. Well, yeah. Oh, God. I, guys come up to you and hey, go. Hey, hey, yeah. hey my, my best to uh, those two no-good kids of yours. Thank and, you. Uh, they tell stories I about Steve, Uncle always Steve. always loved them, too. They, they had the opening gag about turtle soup and make it snappy. They'll still, yeah. do, the, they'll still do the line. It's a Steve Arms line. Give me a bowl of... 
Give me, give me a bullet. I remember where we were. I yes. remember where we were. I do too. Club. I do too. Yeah. Give me a okay, buddy. Listen, I love you. Go, Best uh, to you. Take care of yourself. I'll, I'll talk to you. I'm Promise. Happy, happy New Year. You too, brother man. Thank you. All right, real quick, everybody, and then we're going to bring the guys up. We got those XT. We got to talk to the Lumen guys, and there. That's a new, another new product. Ski season in full swing. The snow is good up there, and I'm going to leave here right after the show's over. And it's time to visit Larson Ski and Sport. Get all your new gear for the season. Get ready to have some fun. Take it from me. If you need skis or snowboard equipment, you go to Larson. We do that line. If you're a renter, you want to try snowboarding, bring in your skis. (laughs) But scare you. So whenever you need, whatever you need, they'll make it work. The guys at Larson will take the time to get to know you. Cross-country skis, downhills, side cuts, boards, um, warm clothes, mittens, gloves, new boots, heaters, whatever you need, Larson Ski and Sport, and uh, John Marriott's son, Jack, and Paul, and everybody that's been there for so long. Larson's is so convenient. Stop on the way up the hill, the way home. They're there seven days a week. Take an I-70 westbound, get off on the Kipling exit, come down the ramp, then make a left, go back under I-70, come out the other side. Now you're heading south. Look to the right, to the west side. You'll see the Crab Shack, and you see a big wooden box store. Seven days a week, Larson Ski and Sport. South of I-70 on Kipling. The website is Larson Sport. There's anything and everything you need. L-A-R-S-O-N, sport.com. Rent. If you've got kids and grandkids, rent because their feet are going to grow and everything's going to be bigger next year. John and the guys at Larson's are the experts. Larson Ski and Sport. Seven days a week, south of I-70 on Kipling. L-A-R-S-O-N, sport.com. Saturday morning, everybody, 53 will be the high, 43 on Sunday, and 48 degrees on Monday. It's Saturday, December the 30th. I'm Peter Boyles, Radio Free Denver, good old 710 KNUS. I'm a big believer in what's taking place in terms of alternative wellness. And Jason Sunick is our guest. He was with us last week. We got about seven, eight minutes. He's, they've given me a light, and my daughter uses it during the day, and I use it watching the TV at night. And... Jason, I got to tell you something. This is just amazing for me. Um, do the uh, best describe what's been going on with us because I'm coming up this week to see you guys. Peter, good morning. Nice to talk with you. You too, yeah. man. Well, I'll tell you, um, extremely excited to be able to be on your show again. Ah. And it was great to have you up to our facility to show you what it is that we're working on. But also anxious to hear what your feedback is from using the light. Well, I, you know, we, I, I can't explain it. It's you get the bulb and the guys gave me the bulb and the light and it looks like an old, looks like a desk lamp, but then the instructions that come with it, it, you, it, it goes into the light is pointed at your eyes and the duration is what? 45 minutes. And so we both been doing. My daughter's do it. Does it during the day. And you, you, I use the lamp at night. And it's light intensity. Fair enough. Is that the best? Because I'm trying to tell people about it, and that's the important sure. part of this. But I so I go up there, and Steve Wells takes me to see these guys, and I'm they take me through the chicken barns, and I mean stuff that I, I was flabbergasted. I'm in literally flabbergasted by performance. Um. Give me a, tell me why. Peter, we've been researching this technology since 2009. 
And the basis of the idea came from my brother's master's thesis, um, where he was using laser light on plants and modulating that light or pulsing the light. And he found that by giving a plant only what it could use when it could use it, you got much better growth because you remove that extra photon stress from the plant. And that has kind of moved on into multiple animal species. We've, we've let four and a half million commercial laying hens in 10 different states. We've done dairy trials. We've done beef feedlot trials. And all of these have been done in conjunction with universities like Colorado State and Purdue University. And through those studies, we found that we absolutely had discrete control over an animal's ability to produce their own beneficial hormones. And, you know, people are no different than animals. We need to receive information from the sun in terms of producing different hormones at different times that benefit us as a species. And so as we've learned more and more about this through animal models, it's become very obvious that people can benefit from this as well. My change that I know is sleep. I, I don't sleep well, and uh, and it's it's changed that I can. I slept last night. <laughs> Got up and I get up at five on Saturday mornings to go to work. But the light screws into this Edison-based socket, and the light is a little bit larger than most lights. But it really that's about it, and. You, you, yeah, Peter, that's really, I would say, the biggest dif- differentiator between our technology and anything else that's out there in the human lighting market is that we're not looking for a localized solution. This isn't a uh-uh. red light therapy to use for a sore back. No. This is truly targeting um, the neurochemistry, and we're yeah. getting there through the optic nerve by looking at the light. You guys, I'm telling you, um, it, it, you can. It, they have a website. It's uh, XTI. Dot us isn't that the one you have xti dot us just yep. go just go look at it there's a way if you if you're intrigued and want a bulb uh, or a lamp you can get it from them um we use it and i'm like i've gotten in this thing where hyperbaric treatments and xti and it it works <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you that voodoo that you do but it works and sure. i know you go well i went through what these guys are able to do with chickens and what they're able to do with plants. And they have like a Wells takes me there and they have like this almost industrial lab. And, um, and now you've got some sports teams that are doing this as well. Correct. We do. We've got a number of, uh, NFL teams, yeah. a couple of NHL teams, yeah. NBA team. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people here locally would be familiar with And it's very exciting to see, not only just like you're describing, people talk about the benefits, but then we're also doing scientific studies around those, and we're proving that we're improving recovery and performance and in bettering sleep. So, and that's really in, in common with all of the university research that we've done for a number of mm. years now. Mm. No, it's I'm telling you, <laughs> it's like the hyperbaric thing. I said I met both of these both of these men. And, you know, by, by actually by meeting them through other friends. And, you know, and you're, my first reaction is, yeah, do-da, do-da. Until I see what they do. And I spent, I don't know, I, start, I thought it was going to be a 20-minute meeting. We ended up like four hours. And I was so intrigued by this big lab they have. And it's XTI 
uh, these are, and then U.S. And on your own, look at Jason and his brother's work. How many employees now do you guys have? We've got a little over 20 employees, and it's everything from animal and plant physiologists to electrical engineers, mechanical engineers. Um, it's true. So we've got a wide variety it's, of people here. It's a killer. Um, we'll do again. We'll put this on next week to talk again. I'm coming up to see Jason. Excuse me, up to see. I'm just, this is Jason. I'm coming up to see Steve Wells on Tuesday, and we'll come by and say hi. I'm just so impressed with your work, man. Love to see you again and really do appreciate it. No sweat. I'll talk. Thanks, brother. Be safe. That That is it. Um was a New Year's show. And remember, with all this crap coming back on John and Patsy Ramsey, remember the grand jury wanted to indict them both. The grand jury wanted to indict them both. Whatever's coming from Netflix or Channel 9 or whoever else is going to whore themselves out. Remember, the grand jury that saw anything and everything wanted to indict them both. Lou Gonzalez, Happy New Year, brother man. Thank you so much. And to Steve Harms, it's not going to get any better. And the book on Ernie Pyle. So take care of yourselves. I'll see you soon. Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.